It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 867 for the 2nd of February, 2024. This week, Windows 11 cannot be installed on certain computers, mainly older models that lack sufficient hardware. But it is possible to force install Windows on computers that would fail otherwise because they lack hardware security features. In short circuits, with so many free email clients, you might wonder why anyone would be willing to pay $60 per year for one. Anybody who uses multiple mobile devices and wishes the same application was available for all portable and desktop systems might consider it. If, like me, you're someone who customizes the look and feel of Windows beyond what Microsoft allows, Stardock's Icon Packager is a quick and easy way to make some big changes. Anyone who's still running a Windows 10 computer will have a decision to make in the somewhat distant future. Support will end for Windows 10 in October 2025, so it's still more than 18 months in the future. Between now and then, you need to decide how you want to proceed. But there is something you can do before late 2025 rolls around if you've been putting off updating to Windows 11 simply because Microsoft says your Windows 10 computer is not eligible. That is, you're somebody who would really prefer to be running Windows 11, but the Windows 11 installer refuses to comply. If that's the case, there's a good chance that your computer can be upgraded to Windows 11. It's not guaranteed because a small subset of Windows 10 computers really can't be upgraded. And that's the topic for today. Before going there, though, let's consider the options you have in October 2025 if you've resisted Windows 11 because you don't want to upgrade. You could continue to run Windows 10. After all, some people are still running Windows 7 or even XP. That's not a good choice in my estimation, but it is possible. The second option would be to use the process I'll be describing today to upgrade to Windows 11. And option number three involves, yep, buying a new computer. After all, if you're still running an early Windows 10 computer in 2025, it will be at least 10 years old. But for those who would like to force Windows 11 onto a computer that's technically not able to run it, the process I'll describe may be easier than you expect. It's one of the easiest options I've seen. Even so, make sure you have a full verified and tested backup of the boot drive before proceeding. There's not a lot that can go wrong in this process, but any operating system update can fail in exceptionally spectacular and ugly ways. So prepare for the worst. It is important to acknowledge again that this will not work for every Windows 10 computer. Although the process relaxes or removes some Windows 11 requirements, there are some that cannot be eliminated. If this turns out to be the case for your computer, the Windows 11 installer will still refuse to proceed. The process can eliminate the requirement for secure boot, 
a minimum of 8 gigabytes of RAM, and support for many older CPUs. So start by downloading the Windows 11 ISO disk image file from Microsoft's website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The page does offer several options, so read carefully and make sure you select the ISO download option, then specify your preferred language and verify it. The website will create a link that will work for 24 hours. The ISO file is about 7 gigabytes in size. The installation process involves creating a bootable disk or thumb drive and then using that to install Windows 11. Few computers have CD or DVD players these days, so the better choice is a bootable USB drive. And in fact, that's the only option for what I'll be describing. You need a thumb drive that is empty or has no important files on it, because one of the earliest steps will be to format the drive, deleting anything and everything that's on the disk. Then download Rufus, you'll find a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and save it to any location on the computer. Rufus is a free, open-source utility. I use the portable version, but an installable version is also fine. It's a small file, just about 2 megabytes. Now we're ready for the thumb drive, which has to be at least 8 gigabytes. Long ago, 8 gigabytes would have been an enormous disk drive. Today it's hard to find one that small. Larger drives are fine. Insert the thumb drive and launch Rufus. If there is only one thumb drive in your computer, it'll be selected automatically. If there is more than one thumb drive attached, check very carefully under Device to ensure that the correct one is selected. Click the Select button and choose the Windows 11 ISO file that you downloaded. Under Partition Scheme, your choices are GPT and MBR. Because you're planning to install on an older computer, it's probably a master boot record or MBR scheme. If the target computer uses a globally unique identifier partition table or GPT, choose that. Then click Start to open the Windows User Experience dialog. Depending on the deficiencies of the target computer and your preferences, you can disable specific options. The first option is Remove Requirement for more than 4GB of RAM, Secure Boot, and TPM 2.0. Because these are the primary reasons Windows won't install, in most cases, you'll want this one selected. Second, Remove the Requirement for Online Microsoft Account. It's best to check this box even if your preference is to have a login based on a Microsoft account. Third is create a local account with a specific username that you specify. If you're making the bootable thumb drive on the computer where you will be using it, then your username will already be filled in. Keep it. If you plan to use the thumb drive on another computer, get the username from that computer. Next option, set regional options to the same values as this user's. I recommend checking that one. Next, disable data collection. Selecting that option skips the privacy questions that Windows 11 asks during installation. And last, disable BitLocker automatic device encryption. Leave this unchecked if you want to use BitLocker. Otherwise, check it. Then click OK and you'll see one more message. Read the warning very carefully and confirm that it has identified the appropriate thumb drive because, as noted, all of the data on that thumb drive will be deleted when you proceed to the next step. 
When Rufus is done, all you need to do is boot from the thumb drive and install Windows 11 normally. If your computer isn't set up to look first at a USB device, you might need to modify the BIOS settings. One good way to get there is via the Windows Recovery menu, and Windows Intelligence has a good explanation of how to do that. You'll find a link to Windows Intelligence and their explanation on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, is $60 a year too much to pay for an email client? You might think so because both Apple and Microsoft include basic email applications with their operating systems. Outlook is included with Microsoft 365, Thunderbird is free to use on most platforms, and free apps exist for Android and Apple portable devices. But think again. I use Thunderbird on the desktop computer, but I also spend a lot of time away from the desktop with an Android phone or an iPad tablet. Until now, I've had to use separate applications on the mobile devices. The email app Spark Plus AI runs on Android and Apple portable devices, Mac OS computers, and Windows computers. There is an annual fee, but paying it once enables the app to run on all of your devices, and most of the settings do synchronize across installations. Spark is relatively new, so I won't be replacing Thunderbird on my primary computer, but I have installed it on Apple and Android portable devices, as well as on my Mac OS computer, and I plan to install it on the Windows-based Surface Pro tablet. So $60 a year seems pretty reasonable for four devices. I do still send occasional contributions to Mozilla for Thunderbird, so I'm paying for it too. There is a free version of Spark, and it may be sufficient if you simply want to standardize the email application on several devices, but it omits the AI functions. Depending on whether you like the idea of AI composing your messages or not, that might or might not be a very big deal. But the free version also omits some of the powerful tools to organize and prioritize incoming messages. Those features are worth the cost for use on mobile devices, especially if you have, as I do, multiple email accounts. Not all features are available for all versions. Smart folders, for example, are not yet available on Android phones, but the developers say they are working to create parity between all of the versions. Smart folders is a feature that can examine incoming messages and place them in specific folders, depending on the sender, presence of attachments, words in the message, and other comparisons. I have Spark set up to check mail from four accounts, my primary account, the TechBiter account, an Outlook account, and a Gmail account. 
all of the messages could be shown in a single unified inbox. And that's what I do with messages to the primary and TechBiter accounts. These are set to smart display, meaning that messages from people I know will be shown immediately, and messages from people I don't know, general announcements, lists, and such, will be hidden until I want to see them. You'll see a screenshot on the TechBiter Worldwide website from an iPad. Each account can be included or excluded from the unified view. Outlook and Gmail accounts are excluded because neither of those accounts is likely to receive any messages that I need to see immediately. When I send messages from the primary account or the TechBiter account on a mobile device, it is automatically forwarded to the appropriate account on my desktop computer. As a result, a full record of all messages is saved on the main computer. When there are no new important messages in the email accounts, Spark displays an Inbox Zero message. Check out the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll see what that looks like on an iPad. The display on a phone is much more narrow. You'll see three examples on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The unified inbox is shown in the example on the TechBiter Worldwide website, but I can choose to see only messages in any one of the accounts. The folder list can be shuffled and the user can add folders. Important messages are shown individually at the top of the list and less important messages appear in categories such as newsletters below the important messages. Selecting one of the message groups opens a list of individual messages in that group. The display on a Mac OS computer rearranges the display so that it's appropriate for the screened real estate, but all of the information is there. Spark sets up all accounts as IMAP, meaning that messages are retained on the server. I use POP3 accounts on my primary computer so that all messages will be downloaded for local storage. Because Spark synchronizes settings on all of the user's devices, adding an email account on one device adds it on all devices. And that was a most welcome surprise. It saved me a lot of time by eliminating the need to set up four accounts on each of four devices. There are missing features. You can't request a reading confirmation. I don't see a way to specify importance for outbound messages either. But there are unexpected features, such as Gatekeeper. Any message from an unfamiliar address is flagged, and Spark asks whether you'd like to accept messages from that address in your inbox or block it. Not particularly uncommon now are features to have AI compose a response. You explain what you want to say, and Spark will write the message. I'm not likely to trust that, at least not for a while, because I can probably type a response faster than I can tell Spark what to say, read its suggested response, and edit it. But if you receive a long message, a very long message, the AI system can summarize it for you. That could be helpful. But as Ronald Reagan once said, trust but verify. For more information, or to download Spark, visit the Android, Apple, iOS, or Microsoft store, or start at the Spark website. There's a link to the Spark website on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Let's talk for a moment about customization. 
Do you use Windows the way Microsoft says you should? Or do you change things so that Windows works the way you want it to? This is somewhat like choosing the sport and appearance package for a car. But I don't really care much about cars. Cars are intended to get me from where I am to where I need to be. As long as there's a decent sound system and a thumb drive with music I like, I don't much care what the car looks like. That's definitely not the case for computers. Much of what Microsoft does with Windows is fine with me. The operating system seems more logical to me than Mac OS. Sorry, Mac fans. And overall, much easier to work with than Linux. Sorry, Linux fans. Operating systems have more in common with each other than the rabid fans of Microsoft, Mac OS, or Linux will admit. I use them all. And there's really no point in arguing superiority. I happen to prefer Windows, so that's what I use. Fine. You prefer one of the others, so that's what you use. Also, fine. Change things or don't. It's all up to you. I really don't care. But if you like to modify the appearance of the operating system, at least Windows, Stardock is for you. I've been describing some of Stardock's applications for the past several weeks. I had to break them up into different reports because, well, there are so many of them. This is a company that I thought had faded away after making it possible for Windows users in the early days to make their computers look like Macs or Next computers. It was only around the end of 2023 that I found Stardock is still in business and making utilities that change the look and feel of Windows. These are applications such as Sound Packager, Cursor FX, Start 11, and Icon Packager, which is today's topic. Icons may be important to you, or they may be meaningless. Either way, you're surrounded by them in any operating system. They may simply indicate the type of file that they're attached to, or they may reveal some of the file's contents. By default, Windows shows an image that looks like a file folder for folders or as we older folks refer to them, directories. This graphic can be modified. You can change the graphics even without Icon Packager, but it would require a lot of fiddling with the registry. Icon Packager makes it easy to change from the default view to one that's more appealing to you. See examples on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Icon Packager comes with several suggested sets of icons. Others are available for download, and those with sufficient artistic talent can even create their own. In addition to changing the icons that appear in the Windows File Explorer, or explorers such as Qdir, Icon Packager modifies icons on the desktop. Without the utility, it is possible to apply new icons to shortcuts, which is something I've done with some of the shortcuts on my primary computer. Changing the default icons is a technique that's been around for years, and it's one of the most popular ways to customize the look and feel of Windows. Changing the Windows icons has been a key part of desktop customization for quite a while, but Microsoft has never included the ability within the operating system, at least not easily, without having to tinker with the registry. Much like other applications from Stardock, Icon Packager offers extensive configuration options. The General Look and Feel tab is where the user chooses which set of icons to use, if none of the included sets is suitable, hundreds more are available for free on Win Customize. You'll find a link to Win Customize on the TechBiter Worldwide website. A colors panel allows the user to modify the hue, saturation, and brightness of the icons, as well as to invert the colors or convert the icons to monochrome. 
The Customize panel is where the user can specify a specific icon to replace an image provided for one of the icons in the selected set of icons. And the Settings and Advanced Settings panels are where more complex options are located. The default settings work really well most of the time, so I'd leave those alone unless there's a good reason to change one. Icon Packager is exactly what's needed if you aren't satisfied with the look and feel of Windows as Microsoft builds it. If you'd like more information, visit the Stardock website. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session. <music>